This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, there's certainly something wrong with a Skyhawk that runs through its entire fuel supply in an hour and a half. But if no leak is evident, where do you look next? Find out where all that fuel went in The Little Voice Within Me by Doran Weston. Several years ago, a man contacted the powers that be at my flight school, asking if one of our instructors would be willing to ferry his Cessna Skyhawk from Manassas, Virginia, to the airplane's new owner in Niagara Falls, New York. My boss asked me if I would do the honors. Naturally, I agreed. The seller, henceforth called Henry and I, agreed over the telephone that the following weekend would be the perfect timing for the trip. Subsequent checks of the weather charts and chats with flight service briefers revealed the approaching weekend increasingly less promising for the flight. Flying an unfamiliar airplane in several hours of IMC is not prudent decision-making for any pilot. I learned that there had been several prolonged maintenance delays, so delivery of this airplane was already long overdue. Henry was anxious to get the airplane airborne. As the departure time drew nigh, I was coming under increasing pressure to fly in heavy IFR all the way to the destination. This normally would have been an easy trip, but as the hours ticked down toward wheels up, an anxiety gnawed at me. Back and forth over the telephone Friday, and again Saturday, Henry pressed me to set out IFR. Flight service continued forecasting heavy IFR Saturday and Sunday. Again, Henry urged me to set out. Each time he urged me, the gnawing feeling worsened. I am not going, I told him, with the weather as bad as it is. If it clears up by Sunday afternoon, would I be willing to go? I said yes, but let's see how it all plays out. Sure enough, around noon on Sunday, the heavy low overcast did indeed clear off, leaving higher scattered sunny breezy skies. Driving to Manassas Airport that morning, I asked myself some searching questions. What was I afraid of that would make me not want to fly in the soup? After all, I am an instrument-rated flight instructor with years of experience teaching. Was it fear, or was there something else driving my reticence? 
Arriving at Manassas, I met Henry as he was readying the Skyhawk for the trip. We chatted briefly. The Skyhawk was in perfect working order, Henry assured me several times, so there should be no issues. After a thorough pre-flight inspection, I departed. Navigation by VOR northbound all the way to Niagara Falls Regional Airport seemed a breeze. This flight was bordering on the routine, which, as many a seasoned aviator will confess, is a dangerous word in aviation. Some 20 miles south of Bradford Regional Airport, another scan of the instruments revealed the left fuel needle not bouncing on E, but well past it, with the right needle not far behind. Suddenly alert, I kicked myself for not watching my fuel more carefully. What could have gone wrong? I took off with full tanks, easily enough to make Niagara Falls with fuel to spare. The winds were not that strong. No time for that now. A quick check of my chart, I found Bradford. Could I make it? Not a chance. A quick check again of the gauges put that notion to rest immediately. Although I had no way of knowing at the time how serious the condition was, this was already a fuel emergency. I searched for a closer field. There, a small airport with fuel just a few miles ahead. Descending smartly, I set up for landing, flew the pattern to an easy touchdown, taxiing to the ramp. The first thing I did after shutting down was to climb up onto the step to inspect what I was convinced was a fuel cap that I had failed to secure. But the caps were tight. I climbed down, inspecting under the wing, paying special attention to the sumps, all normal, by the look of things. But then again, there was no fuel in the tank, so how could I be sure? Upon inspection of other areas, I found blue staining at the left trailing edge of the wing and onto the fuselage, directly in line with the fuel cap. Hmm, I thought there may be a fuel leak. I kept an eye on the fuel truck's fuel meter as the line man filled the left tank. If memory serves, it stopped right around 22 gallons. Ouch, now that tank was dry. After moving his ladder, he began filling the right tank. I remember my growing anxiety at the time, leading me to consider that I may have had roughly five or ten minutes of powered flight time left. Years later, I calculated the approximate rate of fuel evaporation for this flight. The flight had lasted thus far about an hour and a half. A Skyhawk burns about 7 gallons an hour, so the engine had now burned about 11 gallons. If the fuel added at my emergency pit stop totaled somewhere in the neighborhood of 39 or 40 gallons, that means that in an hour and a half, I had lost more than 27 gallons of raw fuel to the atmosphere. That's about 9 gallons every 30 minutes. I climbed up to check the fuel level and the security of the caps once again. Tanks now full, there is no obvious fuel leak, I thought. This time, I will be sure the caps are secure. What else could it be? I climbed back aboard, lit the fire once again, and taxied for takeoff. Everything normal, fuel tanks full again, engine strong on the takeoff roll. I rotated for the second time on this adventure, lifting effortlessly into the clear, blue, breezy sky. As I came in sight of Bradford Airport again, I noticed the fuel needles already bouncing. 
Having just been through this emergency not 30 minutes before, I became understandably concerned and decided to land at Bradford, some 15 to 20 minutes away, as a precaution. Landing, I taxied to the corner of Bradford's commercial ramp and climbed once again onto the Skyhawk step to assess my predicament. The caps were secure, but the fuel level was noticeably lower. Even with mostly full tanks, there was no obvious fuel leak. Puzzled, I knew there was nothing I could do about it here, so backed into the cockpit I climbed, determined to get to my destination. With a recently freshened fuel supply, I knew I could make Niagara Falls, although I monitored my reserves closely en route. Finally, I landed safely at Niagara Falls Regional Airport with fuel to spare. Taxiing to the ramp, I was met at parking by the Skyhawk's new owner. Unbeknownst to me, the rubber gasket on the left fuel cap was old and dry, or maybe it was that the cap itself simply did not fit properly, allowing the low pressure above the wing to suck the fuel from the tank. Once the left tank was dry, and I mean bone dry, the same low pressure now sucked fuel from the right tank via Cessna's fuel vent connecting the tanks. The siphoning of the fuel was occurring at such a rate during flight that the scan I had been employing of my instruments apparently was not adequate to keep up with the fuel leak. That was my mistake. Lesson learned. On the other hand, even if I had been more closely monitoring, especially the left fuel gauge, this was still so early into the flight, to my mind there would have been no way for me to use that much fuel in only the last hour and a half or two hours. I might just as easily have dismissed the reading as an instrumentation error. After all, we learned to trust the fuel gauges in only two modes, tanks full and tanks empty. Still, how could I have known? Besides, the Skyhawk had just days before this flight emerged from her annual. In my case, after scrutiny of the airplane, I had narrowed down the problem to the fitting of the fuel cap rather than something more serious, such as a leaking fuel tank, lines, or carburetor. I discovered then the meaning of the earlier fear beginning several days ago, lasting through this morning, and the fear that kept me flying in IMC. My reluctance, the gnawing pit in my stomach, my guardian angel, call it what you will, that little voice that was telling me that something was wrong with this adventure. It occurred to me that if I had succumbed to Henry's pressure, simply blasting off IFR into heavy IMC, into the unknown, moreover, in an unfamiliar airplane, no less, I would have suffered the same fuel emergency. Since the entire East Coast was socked in earlier in the day, I would have had to have declared an emergency, enlisting the help of ATC for vectors to the nearest field with an ILS. Apart from command decisions, apart from aeronautical decision-making, the big questions here involve fuel availability. What if I could not make it to the recommended field with the fuel I had left? What if I had to go missed and then fly the approach again? This is the sole reason glider pilots do not fly IFR. A lesson I learned from this experience is to trust the feeling that had been gnawing at me. Maybe it was a premonition, which I had interpreted as fear, that may, in fact, have been this little voice within me telling me that what I was being pressured to do was not a good idea. 
I listened to the little voice this time, and it saved my life. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.